Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode one of Off Topic with Darren Wilson. I am your host, and with me today is my good friend, Mark Crawford. Hey, Mark. Hey, how are you? Doing good. Hello, everyone. We are coming to you today on November 10th, 2018, and it just happens to be the birthday of the United States Marine Corps. How many years young are they now? We'll be 243 years old. The Marine Corps is 243 years young today. That's amazing. And Mark is also Marine, so I figured it quite appropriate to have a Marine for my first guest um, on their birthday. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, uh, let's start with where you were born. I was uh, born in Los Angeles, a little small city of Compton. And uh, I grew up there for a majority part of my life. And then we moved back and forth from Compton to Watts and then back to Compton. Uh, And that was my elementary and junior high school years. And then... uh, Finally, we, I moved to Compton, where I went to high school. Okay, and you were telling me earlier that you were in the ROTC in high school. Yeah, um, in junior high school, your senior year of junior high school, you can elect for ROTC. And it was naval ROTC, so it was kind of catered to the Navy. All branches of service have their ROTC. Okay. But this one was catered to the Navy. So um, as when my senior year rolled around, I, I saw it. It, I, it looked intriguing. So I thought, yeah, I, 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 I'll sign up for it. And I joined Naval. It was under Naval Science was the name of the subject study. Okay. And it obviously sparked something in you. Uh, that's pretty much where your military career started. That's where it started. I, I like the uniform. I like the structure. Um, and so that's, that's what attracted me to it. Okay. So obviously kids in high school pick on the ROTC kids. Yes. As a matter of fact, unfortunately. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we were referred to as roaches. Roaches. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) ROTC is is a great place to start if if you hate high school or uh, you're looking for a path to go right. down. Right. It's got structure. It's a, gr- a great place to start. Well, it was ideal for me because at that time in junior high school, you're kind of discovering yourself. So with this coming along, it helped you kind of dis- not only discover yourself, but the, it kind of pushed you a little bit. You know, more so than your parents did at home, because in ROTC, you were expected you had a job to do. You were expected to know your job. You were expected to do your job. And if you didn't, there were consequences for it. So you just couldn't run around free like the rest of the students. You you had, you know, responsibilities. You had goals and you had to meet them. You had goals and you had responsibilities and you had to meet them. And there was there was a price to pay if you didn't. And so I kind of, I kind of liked that. So what was it just kind of a general ROTC or, uh, was there a specific function or specific path? Yes. After school, um, in, in, during school, it was a, a class taught, um, we taught naval history. We taught, we were taught, uh, 
naval science. We were taught um, about ships and how they're named and the designators that are given to different ships, destroyers, cruisers, battleships, aircraft carriers. These all had um, nomenclatures. So we learned the nomenclatures of, of all these ships. And then we learned history. We learned about important naval um, first, like the first time an aircraft ever flew off an aircraft carrier, um, things like that. So, and naval battles, um, Tarawa, all these kind of things, um, uh, Hawaii, um, Pearl Harbor. We learned all these important histories in, of the Navy. So there's a lot of academic. There's a lot of academic. Moreover, after school, we had what was called formation. And that's where you did your drill, your marching, um, all your practicing, sometimes in uniform, sometimes in regular clothes. But um, after school is when you did your drill. Okay, so that was the physical part of it. The physical part of it. Was it like a glorified gym class or... Uh, a, a mini version of boot camp, or it was like a miniature boot camp. It really was. Okay. Um, it was where you learned to march because not everybody had come from a, a military background or band or anything like that. So you have to teach these kids how how to march, how to walk in formation, how to walk in step, um, how to listen to cadence, to commands, prep for commands like a column left or column right where you turn the formation uh, either left or right or to the rear or these kind of commands and once you got good at these commands you got to perform in parades Um, you got to perform at opening ceremonies of different you know senior citizen homes Um, and that was a treat for us because that meant you get to go to this big fancy dinner and you get to unfurl the flag for like colors, do a color ceremony for retirement homes or some business that's just opening up or a new hotel or a new hospital. You got to perform. And that was something everybody really looked forward to. A sense of pride. A sense of pride. Exactly. It is still a sense of pride at a very young age. Yeah. So it was well worth it. It was well worth it. So we're all in big trouble for making fun of the ROTC kids in, exactly. in school. Exactly. Because they will go on. Not saying I was one of them, but <laughs> we all had our moments. There you go. Right, people? <laughs> okay, fast forward. Uh, did you join the military straight out of high school, or is there a gap? I did. I signed up for what was called Delayed Entry Program in January of 1985. Um, you could raise your hand and swear that you're going to join the military while you're in high school at the time. So it, it's just ceremonial. There's nothing holding you to the fact that you have to join the military, but it allows you to raise your hand and swear that you are going to join the military when you join out of high school. And it's just something you just look forward to. Personal commitment. Personal commitment. And so... Um, shortly after you graduate from high school, they send you to a place called MEPS and MEPS is where you do the full medical examination to join any branch of military. You'll have the Navy, Army, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, all at this facility taking what is 
quintessential a day exam, day long exam. You'll get there at five in the morning and you won't leave until 11, 10 o'clock at night. And it's a full battery. You're doing blood, you're doing eyes, you're doing hearing, you're doing sight, you're doing um, reaching, you're doing everything you can possibly think of to the human body to test it to make sure that you're fit for the military okay. make sure you're not flat footed make sure all, all these kind of things so yeah make sure you don't have sickle cell anemia these kind of things that would that would bar you from joining the military okay so you chose the marines but you in, in high school the rotc was more naval Focused. Correct. Uh, the funny story about that is I was due to join the Navy. But the f- funny thing is the facility that housed all the recruit offices, when you walk through the front door, the first two doors that you see are the Army and the Marine Corps. You have to walk past that to get to the Navy and the Air Force office, which is down the hall. So one day I came in to go see my recruiter. Because they have what are called pulley parties, where you're, the group of guys that are getting ready to join the military, they come to the recruiter office to do exercise, to get physically fit to join the military if they aren't, aren't physically fit. And so I came to see my recruiter, and the Marine recruiter was standing outside smoking a cigar. And he asked me, where are you going? Now, at the time, I was 140 pounds soaking wet with bricks in my pocket. <laughs> and so I, I walked past him and he, he asked me, where are you going? I said, I'm going to see my recruiter. And he says, well, when you see, before you see your recruiter or when you go home tonight and you're laying in your, your bed, I want you to get out of bed and I want you to straddle a mirror. And if you see anything swinging between your legs, you give me a call. And he slammed the door in my face. And I, I didn't think nothing of it at the time. And so I just went to go see my recruiter. But sure enough, that night I was laying in bed. And you got to remember, at that young age, you didn't want anybody to punk you. Right. And I felt like this guy tried to punk me. So I figured I'd show him I'd join the Marine Corps. But it was kind of like a reverse psychology thing going on but i i was totally unaware right he won he won <laughs> and so i went back the next day and i said i changed my mind i want to join the marine corps and he said absolutely not you're no you you cannot join my marine corps and slammed the door again and it just made me develop what i didn't even know was resolve i was going to join the marine corps and show this guy that I do have what it takes. You know, you can't talk to me like that. So sure enough, about a week later, I went back to the Marine Corps recruiting office and I said, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. And he goes, you sure, you sure you want to join the Marine Corps? And I said, yeah, I, I want to join the Marine Corps. He said, you'll, you'll never make it. And that set in my mind a, a, re, a certain resolve that I was going to become a United States Marine, you were either going to give me the title or you were going to send me home in a box. I didn't know at the time that what lied ahead would be the hardest training in the Department of Defense. 
but I was just had that resolve that I was going to be a United States Marine and nothing was going to stop me. So his reverse psychology put focus and determination in you without it you even knowing it. Focus and determination without me even yeah. knowing it. And sure enough, on September 13th of 1985, when the bus pulled up to MCRD San Diego for boot camp training, I, I realized I had made a very, very big mistake. But that that thought process goes through everybody. Sure. That goes through those yellow, that goes and stands on those yellow footprints. Is first thought is what have I done, you know, and that thought bounce around in your head the whole time you're in what's called receiving. It's where the Marine Corps receives the civilian, and the transformation from a civilian to a Marine begins. And it's at that moment that you you need to make a decision. You're either going to get this title or you're going to die trying. Okay. If you do not go there with that mindset, you will not make it through Marine Corps boot camp. You will not make it because the guy who got on the bus was every bit of 245 solid muscle. And I'm 140 soaking wet with bricks in my pocket. This guy's going to tear me apart. But that's what he's going to have to do. Because I'm I'm here for a purpose. So the determination outweighed the fear. The determination outweighed the fear. What are the uh, yellow footsteps you just mentioned? Um, it's a place where you get off the. That's the first thing you see when you join the Marine Corps. When you get off that bus, you get on these yellow footprints, and that's where you're indoctrinated into the Marine Corps. They tell you military justice. Um, there's like a brief. Uh, briefing on laws in, in the military. Um, you're no longer allowed to say me or I. You're to refer to yourself in the third person, this recruit, that recruit, hmm. those recruits. You, you, there's no me or I. And that's to stump out the individualism that you come from. Now you're a team. Right. And that's instilled throughout boot camp from those first two steps exactly they smashed the individualism out of you and that's that's where the 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 term brainwash comes from it's because to do that you almost have to train someone to think differently and that's what happens but it is calculated it is calculated yes yes okay so you're on the bus dead scared Surrounded by a bunch of meat. <laughs> Three o'clock in the morning. On your way to boot camp. On your way to boot camp. Where did you go for your boot camp training? MCRD San Diego. There's two places you can be. There's MCD, MCRD San Diego and Paris Island. MCRD Paris Island. Now, if you're born west of the Mississippi, you will go to MCRD San Diego. Okay. And you're a male. If you're born east of the Mississippi, you will go to Paris Island, Paris Island, North Carolina. Um, and if you're a female, you'll go also to, that's the only place females train is it, for boot camp is in Paris Island. But it's separated by the Mississippi River. Okay, so you land at, uh, at boot camp, your next two steps off the bus. Uh, the, 
as far as training? Yeah. Okay. You'll get off the bus onto the yellow footprints. You'll be indoctrinated into military code of justice. It's the law. It's kind of like the constitution of the armed forces across all branches. And then uh, you'll be allowed to make a phone call home and tell your parents that I have arrived in San Diego. I am safe. Please do not send any packages or parcels. I will be contacting you later at a later date. And I still remember that from 30 years ago. That's all you're allowed to say. It's scripted. You're, you cannot deviate from the script. And that's the last time your parents hear from you for almost six weeks. Six weeks. Yeah. So was when you got off the bus, did you have any time to just kind of settle in or was it straight to work? It was straight to work. You, you are straight to work. You don't carry a suitcase to boot camp because they are going to issue you everything. So you just have the clothes on your back. And even those clothes are taken from you within four hours and you're issued your first um, uniform and underwear and everything. And you put those clothing items that you wore to boot camp in a box and you will not see those again for 12 weeks. The first week is receiving. You're getting you're issued ID cards, you're issued uh, you do your wheel, you do um, where you want your money to go while you're in boot camp because you don't get to spend it. Um, you, you're issued uniforms and then you start uh, your training. Uh, first week is a lot of classroom academic type training. Um, and then the second week is more like drill, the beginning of drill. Uh, it's also your first physical um, training test. First PFT is what it's called. And that's to get a, a, a baseline of how are you physically. And so then from there, uh, your third week probably be more drill. That's a basic drill. Um, fourth, fifth, sixth week is probably like water survival, how to swim. Um, then the sixth, seventh week will be like marksmanship, how to shoot a weapon, um, how to, how to fire. And, and also in Marine Corps boot camp, it's the army, Navy and air force. They all shoot at 200 and 300 yards in the Marine Corps. You have to qualify at 300, at 200, 300 and 500 yards. If you do not pass, you will be recycled until you do. And so that's that's the hallmark of the Marine Corps is marksman first. You might drive a truck, but you're better with that piece than anything. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. that's the backbone of the Marine Corps. Every we have a saying, every Marine is a marksman. And that's that's our bread and butter. And obviously there's a lot of safety weapon safety that you guys weapon safety um side alignment side picture trigger control breathing control um yeah it's and not only are you a marksman but you also work in what's called the butts and the butts is is the pits where the rounds are being shot at you 
but you're below ground. So the, the rounds are buzzing over your head. You hear ricochets and, and that's, that's calculated because it's the only time you can be shot at in boot camp, not directly, but get this, get the sense that bullets are coming at you. And so that's part of the, part of the training. Interesting. Yeah. I did not know that about uh, that part of it as well. Well, there's no way that they can induce you into, or there's no way they can put you in combat in boot camp. So everything is simulated. Right. That's why there's constant yelling. That's why there's no one tells you what's going to happen next. You have no idea what's going to happen next. You just have to kind of like go with the flow. And it's not like they show you the training schedule for the next couple of weeks. You have no idea what's coming next. And so, and you, to be in that type of environment for 13 weeks, it, it takes a special kind of person. Sure. Absolutely. Because that's kind of what combat is like. You have no idea what's coming. Special kind of training to get you used to it. Exactly. Exactly. So fast forward to graduation day boot camp graduation it is by all means the greatest day you are like liberated up until boot camp you literally get by making it from child hall to child hall that's that's a, a strategy that a lot of people adopt too is if i can just make it from breakfast to lunch that's that's a victory for me and if i can make it from lunch to dinner that's a victory for me and after dinner all that's left at that time is cleaning up the barracks. You have an hour to write a letter home and read a letter that's coming from home. Hmm. Um, and then uh, you have an hour to pray and then it's, it's time to get into bed. And you might have guard duty that night. So if you have guard duty, you won't get your full seven hours of sleep because four of them will be on patrol on patrol so and it just goes from one recruit to the next before you go to bed that night you know who you will have to wake up and where his bed is so you don't have to be stumbling through the the barracks at night so that's the end of the day and everybody looked forward to the end of the day and then they also look forward to the end of training now the funny thing about the end of training is all of a sudden, this guy that you couldn't not do anything right to or for, all of a sudden, he calls you a Marine one day and it's like. Dead, stop dead in the tracks. You don't, know, you don't know how to handle it because up until now, you could not do anything right. Even if you did it right, it was still wrong. And they keep you in that environment to where you really start thinking, I can't do anything without this person to show me the correct way to do it. And then for one day for him to say, stop calling me, sir, I'm a Marine just like you are. It's kind of surreal, you know, and you, when you're performing the week before you graduate is, um, they use the class, that's graduating the week after kind of like a filler crowd for the, the class that's graduating. So you're in the parade of 
the graduating class and you're thinking to yourself, wow, this is going to be me next week. I'm going to, I'm going to have the the title. I, I made it. I hope because anything can happen in that week. You, you know, you can make a drill instructor really angry and he can send you all the way back to just receiving just after the yellow footprints. It's called recycle. So you start your 13 weeks over? All over again. And you do not want that. You only went through once. Once, yes. Okay. Shoo. <laughs> yeah. But if you, if you, th- that the drill instructors have that, 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 that power, that power to, if you start acting up like, oh, I got this, oh, no, nobody's going to stop me, he can just. Anybody in your class get sent back? Yes. Two guys got sent back to got what was called recycle. Hopefully they straightened up real quick after that. They straightened up real quick. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you obviously made it through. You graduated. Yes. Where were you stationed from there? I got 10 days leave after boot camp. Okay. Uh, I got to come home. I graduated December 13th of 1985. Oh, I forgot to ask you, how much weight did you gain? I came into boot camp at 136, and I left boot camp uh, 156 muscle. Nice. So, yeah, I was a big boy. Nice. The transformation is unreal. So you got paid to go to the gym. You got paid to go to the gym, (laughs) yeah. I, I recall one night I was coming out of the shower, and they have these full length mirrors and I walked past the mirror, but naked. And I looked and I was like, whose body is that? It was as if someone chopped my head off and put it on somebody else's body. It was that, that amazing. I had never had pecs and washboard abs like that before. Did you think, forget the military. I'm going into modeling. <laughs> it crossed my mind. It really did. <laughs> It really did. Okay, so 10 days of leave. 10 days of leave, and then I had to report to 29 Palms. Okay. For what 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 is California. my Yes, which is what is my chosen MOS. Everybody in the military has a job. And my job was communications, radio communications. The school for that is in 29 Palms. It's called Frock School, Field Radio Operators Course. And it's part of CNE, which is communication and electronics, which is in 29 Palms. Um, and so I reported to that base and got ready to start um, communication school. Nice. Okay. How long did you spend there? Uh, six months. The first month I was there, they have you doing um, general t- um, chores around the base, like cleaning up. Um, they need to build something, then you help them build it until you start school. And so the first week is, is working parties. We call it working parties. And you do that until you start school. Okay. Yeah. Where did you go after 29 Palms? Um, and when you finish school, at the time, they had what was called a dream sheet. Now, you could put on this dream sheet anywhere you'd like to go that the Marine Corps is stationed. And they let you pick anywhere. The, the The problem is, if the Marine Corps has a need for your MOS, 
your job, your specialty in say Hawaii and you put Japan, uh, Camp Pendleton, um, Arizona, guess what? You're going to Hawaii. Right. Because they put you where they need you. Right. But if you're MOS has a lot of people and they can send you to one of those places on the dream sheet, then you'll get your choice. But it's not it's not guaranteed. That's why it's called a, a dream sheet. And my dream was embassy duty Europe, Japan, and uh, Camp Pendleton. And I got Japan. Oh, nice. So I that started a three year tour to Japan. Three years. Three years, yes. And did you learn how to speak Japanese? I did learn to speak Japanese. First thing I did was take advantage of that. I, I kind of jumped on the uh, Japanese stereotype that I was I was a African American that I played basketball well. Well, I don't, but <laughs> I used it to my advantage. I jumped in a taxi with a basketball, and I told the taxi driver, um, "Take me to the." number one university on the island of Okinawa. Now, Okinawa is only 13 miles long, eight miles wide. So it's a small island. And so I jumped in this taxi. He takes me to the university and I jump out and the taxi takes off. And it was the, it was as if I was being dropped off on the moon because I had no idea how I was going to get back to base. I didn't know where base was, but I just kind of walked out on faith. So I walked into this gym. Obviously, I looked different than everybody in the gym. So everyone stopped doing whatever they were doing. At the, I think at the time it was badminton. They played a lot of badminton in Japan. And wondered who was this person that just walked in here. And soon They news, all try to pick you to be on their team? Yeah. And so <laughs> soon news traveled across the campus that this foreigner was in the gym and next thing you know this gym is full of people so i'm feeling kind of like a celebrity this is kind of kind of cool you know so um first i played one-on-one with a japanese student and then we made teams and then it was boys against girls and you know six man three man um scrimmages on basketball no one spoke english i didn't speak japanese our common language was basketball at the time. So then one student comes running across the campus and he says, hi, my name is Fatoshi. Um, I'm, I'm head of the English, English club here at the University of Duke was the name of the university. It also was the original name of the island of Okinawa. It used to be called Duke Island, but now it's called Okinawa. So he says, I'm the, uh, I'm head of the English club here at the University of Duke, and we could use a native speaker. Can you help us? And I was like, sure. So after we played basketball all day and I took a shower, I went over to the English club, and that's where I met the English club, uh, the university, the students in there. They're all English literature students who are learning English to teach English to Japanese students. So I helped them learn 
and pronounce English and they help me learn and pronounce Japanese. So it's kind of like a give and take situation. Perfect. Yeah. So I got to go to a Japanese university for three years for free. Nice. Yeah. And you're getting paid because you're in the military. military. You're a Marine. Right. Right. Win-win. Win-win. Okay. So three years in Japan. What other, uh, what other bases did you work at? The great thing about being stationed on Okinawa is that you're not just stationed on that island. You will leave that island to go to say Korea for what's called cold weather training because it's cold in Korea. So you leave Okinawa, fly to uh, Korea and participate in cold weather training. It's a big operation called Operation Team Spirit. It's the biggest in the Pacific for cold weather training. And then you'll stay there for two months, three months, and then fly back to Okinawa. And then there was a crisis in the Philippines where they had an earthquake and I had to fly from Okinawa to the Philippines to give um, humanitarian relief for the victims of that earthquake and then fly back to Okinawa. We stayed in the Philippines for 10 days that time, then fly back to Okinawa and then fly to, say, Thailand to train with the Thailand Marines. They have Marines also. So we trained with them and we fly back to Okinawa. So you're stationed in Okinawa, but you'll see more countries while, while you're right. in Okinawa. Okay. Yeah. So you joined in 80, 19, uh, 1985. Right. And how many years did you serve? I served six years. Six years. Yes. Best decision of your life? By far. Um, I, I, I don't regret, as a matter of fact, I look back on my military experience very fondly. Um, it was the best thing I could I could do at, at the time as a young man was to, was to join the military. And it's helped me so much in my life afterwards. The, the discipline, the bearing, uh, to be prepared, to know your job. Um, know your enemy if you have any, um, how to fight, um, not so much physically, but strategically how to fight, um, preparation, um, never give up, um, all these things I learned from the military. And so they, they've, they've helped me along the way, um, in, in challenges that I faced after the military and I was over able to overcome those by what I learned in the military. So you would, you would recommend to any high school student or kid growing up that the military is a good choice. Yeah. I I would say, listen, um, you know, college isn't for everyone just as the military is not for everyone, but, um, as far as getting you prepared for, let's say you wanted to work in heavy equipment, there's nobody that will train you more about heavy equipment than say the military. Right. Case in point, uh, when I got out of the military, um, there was a, it was during the Rodney King situation mm-hmm. and I saw a CNN truck with its antenna, microwave antenna, raised well i knew the capabilities of that truck before i even 
saw it because we have one in the military that does the exact same thing. So I walked up to the truck. I said, listen, you, this is me. I just got out of the military, but I did communications. I know everything about this truck. Is there any way that I can get hired on? And it was a guy by the name of Reggie Hamilton. He worked for CNN Mm -hmm. at the Hollywood Bureau. And he said, listen, you know, it's a little hectic right now, but here's my card. Give me a call in about, you know, four or five weeks and we'll see what we can do. Now, Reggie Hamilton was prior Air Force, but he did communications. So he already knew my capabilities because he was in the military. So sure enough, I contacted him later and he said, come down to the CNN Bureau on Sunset and let's have a talk. And sure enough, I went down, I met him, and he said, this is a camera. You know how to operate one of these? It was a camera on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I've never never used one of these in my life. And he stayed that evening and showed me how to use this camera. And so I came back the next day and started working on Showbiz Live with Larry King on camera sweet and so here i am off and running and i'm working at cnn now this was a non-union shop but it's cnn Hmm. you know so it working there for a year or two years freelancing kicked in a lot of doors for me right broadcasting right so i went from cnn to ktla and i did remote audio for the morning shows on and there was a show called Making It. It was an entrepreneur-spirited program that showed people who come from other countries how they made it. And it was called Making It. And I worked on that show as audio, remote audio. And I got to see how these people were coming from Thailand, Vietnam, Russia, coming to this country with nothing in their pocket and making a multi-million dollar company, front row seat. So I was like, how lucky could I be? You know, I'm, I'm, these people are telling me how they did it and I'm recording this. So I took that, that spirit, that all those lessons that those folks showed me and I used it towards myself. Mm-hmm. And so it went from KTLA to another station called, uh, KSCI channel 18, which are, is a group of foreign broadcasters, French, German, Chinese, Japanese, um, all these different Spanish, all these different stations under one roof. And I got to see what is called international satellites. How do you get a signal from Russia to the United States? So your military training basically gave you an extensive resume and got your foot, got your whole body in the front door. Got my whole body in the front door. Straight away. Yes. And it was, it was great. And it just kept continuing. And then the next thing I knew I was working with uh, Japanese production companies who come over from Japan because I could speak Japanese. They come over from Japan and then we go around the country shooting documentaries, sports, just traveling all over the place it was great you know so so no regrets for 
being taunted by the recruiter. No regrets. No regrets. Back when you walked through and the, I could that front not, door. I could not have done those things without um, my experience in the military. There's no way. So. And no regrets for not joining no, the Navy. No regrets for not joining the Navy. Nothing against the Navy. N- no, no, no. This, as a matter of fact, the Marine Corps falls under the Department of the Navy. Okay. So they're 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 still our boss. So I, in essence, I joined the Navy, but the Indirectly. Marine Corps Department. Right. Yeah. So I kept my promise. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about how the Marine Corps started 243 years ago. Uh, Congress um, okayed the forming of two battalions of Marines. And these Marines' primary job were to fight on ships at the time, to do any any fighting from ship to ship at the time. They manned the guns. Um, if there was any physical fighting that needed to be gone on, on they they did that so as time went by um the marine corps grew larger and larger and it was started in a place called tun tavern in philadelphia and so um i i have to give you the name of the the gentleman who started the marine corps but in essence he was the first recruiter and then he recruited one person and then they recruited more and it just grew and grew and grew but our birth rate our birth our official birthplace is tun tavern in philadelphia and that's where every marine will be learned in marine corps history and boot camp is the birthplace of the marine corps it's tun tavern in philadelphia and so um throughout the marine corps illustrious career i mean illustrious history um Famous battles um, were won by a very small group of Marines. And so they they started getting more and more noticed for their their ability to fight. And so... Marines are tough. Yeah. One such battle is the Battle of Bella Woods, which is World War One, And that's where the name Devil Dog came from because the Germans who came against the Marines in the Battle of Bella Woods, saw that our fighting, we fought with such, you know, we fought with such, you know, the fighting spirit that they gave us the name Tufo Hunden. Now, Tufo Hunden means devil dog. Tufo means devil. Hunden means dog. And so that's where the name comes from devil dogs is the battle of bellwood and where was that fought in the in uh it was in germany okay the battle the bellow woods are in is in germany how did the marines get there uh we were we were brought there by by ship um, okay as yeah. part of the navy as part of the navy yes so 243 years they've the marines have been around Correct. Do they have any special traditions or it's, I know it's not really a banner year, but do they have any yearly traditions? Yeah. On the Marine Corps birthday, it is tradition that the oldest Marine in the room is recognized 
and the youngest Marine is recognized. And in the cake cutting ceremony, those two, they'll, they'll call out and say, do we have the oldest Marine in the room? And it, he can be from any conflict. He can be from World War II, Korea, Vietnam. And then they'll ask for the youngest um, enlisted or former Marine. Active. Active Marine. And he'll come forward. And and those, they'll ask for the youngest Marine. And they'll ask for the youngest Marine. And then those two will come forward. And the oldest Marine uh, will cut the cake. And and the the youngest Marine will cut the cake and offer the first piece of cake to the oldest Marine. And then the oldest Marine will then serve the cake to the youngest Marine. Now that is symbolic to the youngest Marine respecting mm-hmm. the experience of the older Marine. Right. And the older and the the older Marine giving the slice to the younger Marine is recognizing that he's passing down his experience and knowledge and knowledge. Exactly. And pride and pride. Exactly. And, and basically charging the young Marine with always being faithful. That's, that's where Semper Fidelis comes from. It's Latin for always faithful. And you'll hear Marines say that to each other all the time. Semper Fi, Semper Fi, Semper Fi. It's, it's what we kind of stand for. So someone coming in the Marine Corps today will be told, listen, you know, you're not just joining the Marine Corps today. It's this, a lifelong. This, this is a lifelong. And yeah, this is a lifelong commitment. Long after you hang up your uniform, you're still going to be charged with, you know, being faithful to the Marine Corps, not ever embarrassing them, the Marine Corps, not ever, you know, doing anything that would bring shame to the Marine Corps. Right. You're, you're still going to be charged with that. So a lot of times uh, Marines will say my enlistment has no expiration date because right. it doesn't. And so you, you are in essence a Marine for, for life. So let's say you're at a high school pep rally and you're up there talking to a group of kids. What uh, some final thoughts some final advice for would- them? My advice to them would be um, never give up. Just never give up. If you can move forward, just just never give up. And that was never taught to me the way it was taught to me in the the military. Um, You will be put in situations. You will be challenged. You will be put into impossible situations that you think you can't get out of. But just like that day, I drove through the gates of MCRD San Diego, and I thought, my God, what have I done? I've bitten off more than I could chew. That moment comes back to mind every time I'm put in a situation that's impossible or seems impossible. If you can get through Marine Corps boot camp, that is the end of your excuses. You you should be able to do anything. And and that 13 weeks over and over again, they keep showing you that, you know, your mind can play tricks on you. You can do a lot more than what your mind says you can. You can go a lot further than you think you can. 
and that's taught to you over and over again. When you're thrown in the swimming pool and you're asked to tread for five minutes with full combat gear on, you're thinking, how can I do that? But you're taught technique and you're taught how to do it and then you're charged with doing it. And then once you do it, having thought before you couldn't do it, there's a there's a strong sense of accomplishments that sweeps over you to where you start becoming used to that. You, you'll see something and you'll think, I can't do that. But no sooner in your mind, you'll say, yes, I can. And that, that one life lesson is, is, is pretty, pretty, right. pretty incredible. So if there's a group of kids that are undecided in what they want to do once they get out of high school, it's like they don't have to decide. You can go into the military. You're going to come out bigger, stronger, faster, smarter, yes. and with a resume. Yes. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Mark. It's, it's a pleasure. Been a, been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for all the the backstory and and advice and good info on on your life and your experiences. And hopefully, you've inspired some some kids out there too. Uh, make themselves better and, and be a part of something bigger. I thank you so very kindly for having me, sir. I really appreciate this. This is great. This is great. And if I may, to all those fellow Marines that are out there, uh, Semper Fidelis, always faithful. And a huge happy birthday to the Marine Corps, uh, all the men and women that serve in, in, in every branch of the military. Thank you for your service. <laughs>